great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. There's a big data breach that's going on right now. It's actually worse than that. It's a full ransomware attack on an American company that most of us know only for fitness trackers, and that's Garmin. But Garmin is really a much more important company to defense, aviation, and marine life than any of us know, because most of us would not uh, be aware of all the things that Garmin's involved in. So odds are the huge attack on Garmin's computer systems was really from likely a foreign power trying to disrupt the United States. So a lot of airplanes that rely on Garmin systems can't fly right now. Uh, It may affect shipping. Don't know on that yet. And for those of us like me, I've worn a Garmin fitness tracker for nine years. All our data is lost in space, and it's unclear whether it'll ever be seen again. Now, this is something that's going to affect this corporation and some activities a lot. Uh, Fitness-obsessed people are, you should see them on message boards, they're going crazy. But this, to me, is a clear warning to you why I've said things like, uh, make sure you go back to paper statements for any bank account, any brokerage account, anything like that. As the foreign state actors get more and more sophisticated at being able to find vulnerabilities in key computer systems and with companies, imagine the disruption they could cause with your uh, retirement accounts, investment accounts, your bank accounts, anything like that by being able to invade the systems and try to actively wipe out records. So I know everybody in the financial services industry is trying to get you to go to paperless. The problem with paperless is unless you print out records, use your printer, your ink to do that, you may find yourself at a time where they get hit And in turn, you get hit because you have no documentation of what you have, what you had. So when I see how upset people are just about their fitness records not being available to them, and I wasn't happy about not having my nine years of records, at least for now, it is nothing compared to how you'd feel if suddenly you didn't have access to your money. So think about that. Think about paper records. And this is another time to emphasize why I have a small stash of emergency cash. So many people, especially people under age 40, no longer use cash at all. Don't even carry any. And in the event that you couldn't access your funds or use your plastic or use your phone or use your watch to pay for things, You're going to be like, what do I do? Well, you do things Neanderthals do. They paid with cash, right? So you want to have a supply of cash, not a huge amount, but enough that in the event of a significant attack on our financial system or your own financial institution that you do business with, that you're still okay. It's time for your questions that you posted for me at clark.com slash ask. Producers Kim and Joel alternate. 
Kim, you're up. All right. This is from Sarah in Georgia. And Sarah says, diversity is good for business profits and the economy as a whole. With that said, do you have any recommendations for funds that invest in black owned or minority owned businesses and likewise women owned businesses? So there are uh, ETFs that you can use to do that exchange traded funds and the fees are higher than they are with other funds because there's a lot of extra work potentially involved in trying to focus strictly on companies that are uh, into making sure they have good diversity, that have clear policies that the organizers of the ETF feel are right. It's an additional layer of research. So the fees on those funds tend to be a fair amount higher, but not horrible. So there's one that's specifically geared towards companies with gender diversity called she it has a ratio of 0.2 which is really pretty good then there's another one that invests in companies that have a woman ceo or a board made up of one quarter women members and that's very unusual to find there are so few companies big companies with women CEOs and there's virtually no companies that have a board that's one quarter women or more overwhelmingly they're a bunch of old white men so the fund called will WIL has an expense ratio of 0.45 getting pretty high and then one that specifically is geared towards companies that as it refers to empower minorities is very pricey for an ETF, 0.75%, and it's called NACP. There may be others, but those are the three that we're aware of, and it does give you the ability to target your investing. There's a lot of uh, people who are aware now of funds that invest specifically with your goals, whether they're environmental or they're social or they involve who's in the executive suites and so this is a key differentiator in investing and something that's very important to more and more people especially younger investors joel clark angie in alaska says hi clark i'm a huge fan i have a question is it even possible to get out of a timeshare i'm no longer wanting to pay on it, it's <sighs> been the worst mistake of my life and it's the only bad thing on my credit so by saying bad thing on your credit, you have defaulted on it. So the only hope with a timeshare that's already gone down the tubes for you is to see if the developer of that timeshare, realizing that you're never going to pay on it again, is willing to take it back from you so they can sell it to somebody else and make money on it twice. And that's really the best thing because especially now the resale market for timeshares, which really worked like this, you paid somebody to take over your week. That market is completely broken as because of coronavirus travel is kind of in, it's like in hibernation right now. So your 
original developer or sales organization that sold you that piece of junk that you have, they're the best hope you've got of getting rid of it. And good luck with that. Do not pay any organization money that says they'll help you get rid of your timeshare. They're all lying. Kim? Jonathan in Massachusetts says, my children's daycare closed down due to COVID in March, effectively retaining one week worth of our monthly payment, about $550. We pay per diem, not a flat rate. They plan to reopen in August, but they're refusing to repay or pay forward the unused balance of money. I know times are very tough, but this is a significant amount of money to my family. Do we have any recourse? You you do, and the recourse is to sue them in small claims court where you don't need a lawyer for your $550. You're, you'll find your child will no longer be welcome at that facility once they reopen, and that may be a decision you wanted to make anyway based on how they've treated you on the money. They're probably broke. They probably already spent your money and everybody else's, and that's what the refusal is about. But it's really not smart on their part. So I would make an offer to them. If you liked the facility, but you're just mad at them, sore at them about running off with your money, why don't you offer that they give you a credit divided over five weeks? Instead of trying to get the first week free moving forward, that you pay a little less per week for five weeks roughly $110 less a week for those five weeks, and then they have cash flow coming in and they know your child comes back then because you have an incentive. It's almost like a weekly gift card for five weeks, which doesn't harm their cash flow, helps them build at least the $440 a week you'd be paying, and then after five weeks, they're back to regular income from you because If you file in small claims court, you're going to win, but then it's going to be very hard to collect the money if they've got none. Joel? Clark Julie in Minnesota has a tip. She says if you get a prescription for a new medication, go to the company website to look for a discount card. Often you can get a reduced copay amount. For example, my son was just prescribed a new brand of insulin. The manufacturer is offering a discount card in which you pay no more than a $25 copay per month when you take the card to the pharmacy. This is so much less than our typical insurance copay. Your pharmacist may not know about these discounts, so really you got to look out for them on your own. That is great advice and a great suggestion. And on Clark.com, we have a briefing on various prescription discount programs that are available from manufacturers or for, for individuals based on your income. So wonderful suggestion. Joel or Kim? Hey, uh, (laughs) no worries. This is from Ken in Washington. And he says, my 19 year old daughter went for a COVID test. They demanded her social security number to perform Uh. the test. She refused. They insisted she is Clark trained. So she provided one of those dummy social security numbers from your website. The attendant looked up the number and then accused her of fraud. She still didn't give up her number and thus didn't get the test. Is there any workaround to this problem? Right, so this has been a scattered problem around the United States with people going for coronavirus tests and being asked for a social. It is, or told, demanded to give a social. It is uncalled for. It is inexcusable. 
and it's only legal right now because the Department of Health and Human Services has given a waiver to testing places that they are exempt from normal restrictions on medical privacy. And most places you'd go get a test would never require your Social Security number. It's dangerous for it to be out there. And I'm really sorry that you waited in line for a test and then this is how your daughter was treated. Phil is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Phil. Hi, Clark. How are you this morning or this afternoon, I should say? I'm doing great, thank you. I hope everything's wonderful in your world, and I understand that things are in good enough shape that you're thinking of buying yourself a new vehicle. Well, here's a story, Clark. My wife just passed passed away on the 21st of this month. Oh, I'm so sorry. And, yeah. And uh, I had two vehicles, and uh, my friends keep telling me, wait a year before you get rid of them. I have a truck. And I have a car, and I'm thinking about uh, selling both of them and downsizing to one vehicle. And I'm looking at uh, a SUV. I'm just wondering what's your opinion about that. Well, the SUV market has been extremely strong. The car market, very weak. The truck market, very strong. So talk to me about the truck and the car. What year are each, and what kind of miles do they have on them? Okay, the truck is a 2012, and it's got uh, 40,000 miles on it, and it's in good shape. I've had always had the tires rotated and oil changed. And the car is a Prius, a 2016 Prius, and it has uh, 50,000 miles on it. So... I know this is crazy, but I don't know that I would dump your vehicle I new SUV. The 2012 truck, you said it has only how many miles on it? 40,000. Yeah, 40, and the, and the Prius has 50. They're babies. So unless you're tired of them and you're just aching to get an SUV, I would say whichever one of these two you would be more interested in driving that you already have keep and probably the prius if it works for your lifestyle because it's a 2016 with only 50,000 miles on it the prius is an extremely reliable vehicle according to consumer reports and right. it could go on right. for you for years if you need the flexibility though more of the truck even though it's eight model years old, it has so few miles on it, I would keep the truck. I, I don't know why you would necessarily want to dump these and buy an SUV unless it's just something you want to do. Well, my wife used to do a lot of arts and crafts, so I needed the truck to, to be able to transport all our stuff. But now it's just me, and I, I'm just wondering if, I, I, I love the Prius. Don't get me wrong. I had it 2009. I really liked it. So I'm more or less leaning towards what you're saying. I guess I just needed reassurance. <laughs> yeah, so I would, I would sell the truck, keep the Prius uh, in the scenario you gave, and uh, put the SUV off for now. I mean, the Prius you're going to get in a 2016, you probably average 50-some-odd miles per gallon. Yeah, more than that, yes. 
Right. So that's what I would do. And I want to express to you again my sympathies to you over this terrible, terrible loss that you are having right now, having lost your wife. And right. I want to tell you, I wish you the best moving forward. And do you have good support from family and friends right now? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Family, tremendous support. And uh, the church I go to, it is just unbelievable. So I, I know she's not hurting anymore, and but I do miss her. <laughs> I, I understand that. And I'm so glad that you have that wonderful support system in your church. I'm so glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so you can keep more of what you have. And that's what we're about, is giving you solid information that you can act on in your own life. And you expect from me the best information out there, and there are times that you'll hear me answer a question or give an opinion, and you're like... What is wrong with that guy? Well, this guy wants to know when you feel that I have not done a good job for you. And that's why we have Clark.com slash Clark Stinks, where you can go post where you disagree, you feel I gave an incomplete answer, or you think I'm just wrong. And then weekly, producers Kim and Joel take highlights from Clark Stinks and share them with you right here on the show. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. All right, Clark Howard. Let's do this. First up today is from Eleanor, and Eleanor says, TIAA does not call itself TIA but instead uses each letter to be pronounced separately. Your research team has let you down, Clark. Oh, no one's let me down. I've let you down. I just call it Tia because it's quicker and easier. And I know a lot of people who uh, are invest with Tia refer to it as that instead of T-I-A-A. You know, their name used to be even more of a mouthful. It was T-I-A-A-Cref was the proper way to say it. But anybody who has an account at T-I-A-A knows what I mean when I say Tia, I hope. So that shorthand is on me. And yes, I know the real name is T-I-A-A. And they are uh, one of only two, as far as I know, decent players in the teacher retirement plans known as 403Bs that also many times may be found at nonprofits or in hospital systems. Most 403B plans are horrifically terrible with massive, massive fees, commissions, and something that's unacceptable called surrender charges. Other than that, they're great. Not really. <laughs> Joel? Clark, uh, next one comes from Crystal. She says, Clark, I wouldn't say you stink, but there's definitely something singed in the air. Kind of smells like a smothered F-I-R-E, fire. Uh, last week, William called in about retirement contribution planning with possible F-I aspirations. While your advice was good, I wonder why you didn't bring up another option such as an HSA or even better, the Mega Backdoor Roth. It's a great time for a rollover and more companies are allowing in-service distributions if he doesn't have an old 401k or IRA to pull from. 
It's worth the time to look into for those looking to pull the fire trigger as you can withdraw the contributions after they've baked for five years, allowing tax-free withdrawals well before traditional retirement age. We're converting as much as I can stomach paying tax this year as taxes are bound to go up to put the bill for all the viral stimulus being doled out. Thank you for your tireless work to keep us well-informed during these trying and bizarre times. Signed sincerely, a crazy oaky chasing the flames. Good for you, and I love everything you said. This has been an unusual year with the coronavirus relief statutes, and there are certain moves that people can make now that they normally could not. Withdrawing from 401k plans, even at places you are currently employed at, taking that money penalty-free, paying the tax on it, and then taking it and putting it in Roth accounts or investment accounts, which give you more flexibility as someone who's into the financial independence retire early movement. If you're not familiar with FIRE, the idea is that you control your life typically from about your mid-40s to early 50s instead of having to continue to work in a job you may not really love. The HSA angle, HSAs, if you have access to one, the accounts where you can put money in to an account, that is the best possible place to stash money. It's even a higher level of priority than my beloved Roth IRAs. But you got to be somebody who can put money in them and leave it alone and not use it for current medical expenses because they have a triple tax advantage where Roths only have a double tax advantage. Kim? This is from Jim, and he says, Clark, you always refer incorrectly to unemployment insurance as unemployment compensation. Unemployment insurance is similar to most forms of insurance. The employer, and to a lesser extent, indirectly the employee, pay into unemployment insurance in their weekly or biweekly paychecks. It is not correct to refer to this payment as compensation. Story, I had an acquaintance who got laid off and said that he would not take his unemployment because he thought of it as a handout. I told him it was actually money that he paid into and to use it as he looked for employment. It's a timely topic and important for you to clarify this. Thank you. And and many times that term unemployment insurance or compensations used interchangeably Your point is very well taken. It's like what I talked about recently about people that are hungry should go apply for food stamps and not look at it as something that is taking a handout. Food stamps are there for a purpose. Unemployment insurance is even a step beyond that. It is essentially an insurance policy designed to deal with a time that you are unemployed and It is something that is looked at as not only good for the economy, but also the right thing to do. Joel? Clark, this one comes from Thomas. He says, you recently suggested Fidelity Zero Funds for three young children, but you looked only at the management fees. You did not consider the overall rate of return over the next 10 or 15 years. There are other Fidelity funds that give better long-term returns, and that's what they really need, right? So... I appreciate that. See, my belief is so heavily that uh, that the expense ratio of a fund and having it widely diversified over the long haul will give you the greatest return on your money. 
So even though if you backtest, there may be some Fidelity funds that have outperformed the indexes. When you look over continuous 10-year periods, it's almost impossible for a fund that is more narrow or a managed fund with higher expenses to be able to compete with an ultra-low cost, or in the case of Fidelity, no-cost index fund. And this has been a disagreement among investors for a long time. I'm a big believer in what's known as passive investing versus active investing. And so that's just a built-in bias in my thinking and how I would build a portfolio. But what's so great, Fidelity's funds basically democratize investing because there's no minimum for you to put money in the zero funds and no expenses. And the whole purpose of that is to attract people to Fidelity. They absorb losses running these funds where they have costs, but providing them to you at zero cost. And you get the benefit of that over the years with potentially very nice returns that would outstrip most funds available in the marketplace. Kim? This is from Joan. She says, Clark, I love your show, but you really missed an opportunity recently when you were speaking to a pharmacist who was thinking about leaving the profession and, quote, letting go of her license. Please inform her that she can leave her job, but should consider keeping her license current. She can easily find out how from her state's Office of Professions. Some licenses can be maintained and renewed with as little effort as taking yearly continuing education credits. If her license expires, returning to the profession takes a lot more effort, such as studying and resitting for exams. Both are difficult and costly. So you are 100% right on that post. And let me tell you how right you are. Later that day, I was like, you know, I really should have explained why, in spite of being burned out by her job, she should try to maintain her license. And I was thinking about a relative of mine who burned out on a job and let their professional license expire and how difficult the process is, not a pharmacist, different profession, how difficult the process is to reinstate. And so that is a very good post, and it's something I'd already beaten myself up about. Joel? Clark, Lisa says, sorry, Clark, but I cringed when you mentioned that you unsubscribe via links and emails. Please don't do that, especially if you don't remember subscribing in the first place, as clicking on links in an email is a vector for phishing. You are much better off to create a filter for the mail coming into your inbox and send it to trash. That is a very thoughtful post. I only unsubscribe from things generally that I that are legitimate and that I most of the time remember having subscribed to them. But I appreciate you reminding me that if something is kind of UFO and I'm clueless that I ever signed up for it, you were right. I will no longer click unsubscribe at the end of an email. That's good, really good advice. Kim? This is from Kathleen. She says, time and time again, you tell people that debit cards will not reimburse you if your card is compromised. I found charges on my card and the bank that issued the card took care of all of the charges and issued me a new card. Now, this doesn't make you stink, but debit cards are just as safe as credit cards. Love your podcast. Thank you for your post. And 
debit cards are not as safe as credit cards. I respectfully disagree with you on that because you have no chargeback rights if there's a dispute with a merchant about goods or services. If you pay somebody with a debit card and they don't send the merchandise, you have no rights like you do with a credit card to dispute. In the example you gave, yes, they did restore your funds, but here's the problem. The money has already left your bank account, and you're hoping that the bank in its sweet time will restore the funds. In your case, they did. But there's a whole suite of protections that come with credit cards that don't come with debit cards. And the reason they're different is the era in which they came into prominence. At the time that credit cards first came into significant use in the United States, Congress was not beholden to the huge campaign contributions they get from big corporations. And so the rules that were put in place were very well thought out, methodical, and protective of both consumers and the financial institutions. Debit cards, when they came to prominence, Congress was in what's known as regulatory capture. Everything they did was really controlled by big corporations, and that's why you don't enjoy protections on debit cards like you do on credit cards. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Daniel is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Daniel. How are you? Hi, Clark Howard. Uh, First, I want to say thank you for this great opportunity. Certainly. Daniel, you um, are the same age as my son. Oh, wow. Uh, Yes, I am 15. I just wanted to call in because I had a few questions today. Um, I recently got my first job working at a pizza store. And my first question is, I wanted to know... um, what somebody my age, a full-time student, um, what type of tax breaks are available um, to us? Because I understand, because um, my father hasn't fully explained it to me, but I know I, I have filed for a tax return in July, but I wanted to know what other tax benefit I could take advantage of. So your tax rate is going to be so low that you don't even have to worry that much about it. Um, how much do you expect to earn in 2020? Um, I don't have an exact estimate. I'm guessing it would be around 10000 by the end of the year because I've just started recently. You're going to make ten grand this year? Wait, hold on. Let me uh, double check. Hold on. Hold That's on. a huge amount to earn part-time while you're in school. Hold on, hold on. I think I got the calculations wrong. Yeah, I make seven twenty-five an hour and work five days a week. And how many hours a week are you working? About five hours, about uh, 40 hours per week. Oh, no, wait, hold on. Yeah, 60 hours per week. Two weeks. 
two weeks. For, for two weeks. Oh, okay. All right. I hear you got a tutor behind you giving you numbers. I'm sorry, sir. So you're earning um, uh, $217 a week. Yeah, you're earning. You're going to work that many hours during the school year? 30 hours a week? I mean, considering that uh, we're expected to be online, I think it's more than likely that we're going um, to be able to work this at least for the next couple of months. And I just wanted, yeah. Your work ethic is so impressive. I am stunned, amazed, and impressed. Thank so, you, sir. So there's something I want you to do that will not be of a big benefit for you on the tax bill you're going to have, but you're still going to be at a very low tax rate. And I'll give you that in a minute. But have you ever heard uh, from me or anybody else about something known as a Roth IRA? Uh, I've heard the name before. I'm not exactly sure what it is. Right. So what it means is you're able to take a big chunk of that money you make and you're able to stash it in an account that can grow tax-free for the rest of your working life, and then when you decide you want to bag work, you spend the money, everything in the account, everything you've earned tax-free. Now, at what you're expecting to earn per year, you're going to pay 10% of what you make in federal tax. So okay. you're going to pay roughly 1000 bucks in federal tax. And then you have to pay your share of Social Security and Medicare, that'll be like $700. And then if you live in a state with state income tax, you'll have to pay that. So you may pay um, close to $600 a year in tax. So you got, you're going to pay $2,300 of that 10000 in tax, approximately. Best guess. Okay. So you'll have $7,700 that's yours to do with what you wish. You can, as much of that money as you will not have spent, you can take six grand of it and put it into a Roth IRA and then shelter that money for the next 50 years tax-free. And that money you can expect to double at least every 10 years. So whatever money you put in, will double over and over and over again roughly every 10 years if you slap it aside now at 15. And then remember, all the money in that account is yours to use tax-free when you hit retirement. So that's my number one recommendation for you. And I just want to congratulate you for an unbelievable work ethic 30 hours a week is a lot to work as a teenager, but you sound like you've got an incredibly mature attitude, and I'm really excited and proud for you. This is the Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.